Well, welcome back, folks, to 41,000 Feet and Thriving. This week, my guest is just, I really admire her and look up to her. She's a really beautiful onboard chef, self-taught, and just like absolutely inspiring. Her dishes are so creative and so fun. It's where I get a lot of my inspiration, and I really admire how she goes about it. How she carries herself as a flight attendant is just really poised and eloquent and respectful and how she talks about others is just completely admirable and kind and genuinely i really admire this person and i look up to her her name is holly schroeder and she's just the sweetest human if you ever get the chance to go out to eat with her she orders like a professional and she picks the best restaurants we recently went to monte verde and Chicago when I had a layover there. And let me tell you, seeing her order, it's like an art form. Stand back, drink your cocktail, and just watch your order because it it is amazing. It's a gift to watch. I'm excited to have her on today. She has so much to give and so much perspective that I just find so refreshing, and I hope you guys too. So enjoy. Welcome, Miss Holly. How are you today? Good, Virginia. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. We've been trying to get this together for, what, four months or something? Oh, yeah. I know. Just the crazy lives of flight attendants, right? (laughs) It really is. Like, that should be, like, the title of this podcast is, like, yeah, the unpredictable schedules and trying to get this podcast together. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's, like, the acronym that I have is FA RAP, right? It's, like... It's, you know, it's acronyms are so popular in our aviation, yeah. right? So true. <laughs> but like resilience, adaptability, and positive mindset. And then you're good. <laughs> I love that. I'm yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. So there we are. You know, we're going with the flow. And yeah. I'm glad we finally got to do this. We almost did it. Remember, we almost recorded it on the airplane. <laughs> yes. Yes, we had this great idea at one point in our lives when Holly was very jet lagged and we were doing a cruise swap. And she was staying on the plane, though, because she's sweet and lovely and wanted to get home. And this was the quickest way to do so. But it meant that you were up for like oh, yeah. four hours or more. Right? Oh, yeah. I think it was more because we were coming from more. Asia. Yeah. Yeah. And then those like, days are fun. And I should have known better, right? I After all these years, I should have known better that that was not the right move. But honestly, I've had that same thing happen. And it's like, if the company is nice enough, you know, they'll be like, do you want to stay on or do you want to get off with the pilots? And sometimes when you're back close to being home, it's worth a few more hours. And also what I look forward to now is like that jet lag sleep that you get after that, where you just sonk the fuck out uh-huh. and don't know anything around you is like alive or breathing is like my favorite kind of sleep. Yeah, it's better than any kind of sleep in the world. So now I'm like an old lady and I look forward to that sleep because I'm just like, I'm going to be out for at least 10 hours. Yeah. Well, you know, and if I didn't do that, we wouldn't have got to hang out and get to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, yeah, that's how we know each other is Holly was connected through a friend of ours. um, A friend of ours introduced us when I went contract. Holly is amazing and is a chef on board. And is just so great and has amazing clients. And um, yeah, so she asked me if I could help sub in some trips and stuff because they were busy and blah, blah, blah. So I did some trips with them, got to talk with Holly, got to like Zoom meet her. But then I worked with her, quote unquote, for like two or three months 
And I never got to meet her until this crew swap. And then we were stuck in an airplane together for like six hours. And it was great. And I made and I made a <laughs> smash burger. Yeah. And I don't know if I've I've told your other flight attendant this because we were chatting and it was after we dropped you off that day. Uh-huh. And he was sweet enough to give me a, a ride back to my hotel. And um, the first thing I said when you got out of the car was, you know, you made this beautiful smash burger and I was on board to chef and do all these things. The first thing I said to him was, oh, my gosh, I overcooked the eggs in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> I was so nervous and like, like cooking in front of you that I overcooked the eggs. And I literally, it's all I could think about from then on was I was like, oh my God, she's, it's, I'm never going to be redeemed. Like, (laughs) well, I think that is like just something that naturally happens, right? We don't often get to be in the galley with another flight attendant, especially in, you know, it was a global, so it was a bigger galley, but it's still a small galley. And you're like, trying to do things well you're already in a limited space and then you have somebody watching you and so you're like that's oh, what it was yeah i was exactly. so intimidated by you watching me oh, that's the first thing i said to him and um but it was incredible we originally had this idea like oh we'll like either record on the plane maybe or we like once we get off like and you've had this ridiculously long day we'll go grab a cocktail and do the episode yeah no happening. bless our little flat attendant souls <laughs> That was not going to happen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What were we thinking? But you know what? It all worked out and we're here today. So, yeah. Also, like it noted that at one point you wanted to make, what was it, handmade pasta on the plane? Was that was that what it was? Well, I was like, oh, it would be so fun if we could do like a fun dish together. And, you know, it was kind of a good thing that we didn't end up doing that because I was already exhausted at that point. But. Yeah, it was it was so really fun to to be on board with you and and see you and you did like your presentations were beautiful so you shouldn't have been nervous you're you're amazing so I it made me step up I like literally came home from that trip and just cooked eggs I was like <laughs> I can't cook eggs I can't cook eggs <laughs> oh, oh my god anyway your cook extraordinaire your flight attendant where did you start because I actually don't think I've even heard this which I think I say that with almost every guest which is not anyway I don't think I've heard your story and I love hearing people's stories so where where did this aviation life come from well you know it's uh it's it's really funny how I got into it I um I kind of come from an aviation family which I think is a kind of a common thing you know, my mom worked for American Airlines when I was growing up. And so I got to like travel the world and go do fun things. Like she would just take us for like a day to go to um, Niagara Falls or, you know, do things like that. And that was back when, you know, you had to be in your like Sunday best and you had to be in the for first class or you wouldn't get on the airplane because you were flying standby. I just loved it. It was so great. And I never thought to do it for a career. And, um, you know, fast forward, I was in college and I wasn't happy and I didn't really like what I, what I was like doing or, and I don't really know what I wanted to do at the time. My mom was like, well, why don't you try to be a flight attendant, you know? And I said, well, that's actually kind of a good idea. I'll see, you know, I'll explore it. And (laughs) I was like, we'll see how I like this, you know, thinking that it might be something that I would just try out and even know if I would get the job. I started at a commuter and got hired and that was in, gosh, that was in 2004. 
it was, you know, it was fun. It was, you know, it was a fun job. You know, it, I mean, you did commercial aviation and it, I think it set me up for a lot of success in, in where I am now because it was so safety focused. And so, but it was kind of, it was getting to the point where it was like kind of becoming a little boring for me and I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. I got to travel and I, I used my benefits uh, <laughs> very much. I had a good friend of mine. We were like travel buddies. We were both flight attendants and we would take these huge trips all the time. And I just loved it. And I loved Obviously. traveling. Yeah. And I just wanted to see more instead of like these small little towns that I got to go to when I was flying <laughs> for, you know, yeah. but um, I'm jealous of that because I was way too poor to be to even use my travel benefits and so I didn't even get to all really oh my use them other than like some hops down to San Diego to see my sister which I essentially lived with her when I was a flight attendant because it was free oh my gosh Virginia this was like back okay I think that year one of the years I made like fifteen thousand dollars that was my and first year yeah and we yeah. I don't know how we did it but we somehow found budget places and I mean, yeah. we were like little nomads, right? Like we Amazing. just figured it out, and you know, we would we would just figure it out. We got to be scrappy, yeah, commercial, <laughs> yeah. And then um, I had a friend who who worked with me, and he was a pilot, and he had left and went to go work for a charter company. And we were like, we're still friends. And he suggested to me, he's like, "Hey, would you ever be interested in in like, trying this out?" I think he would be really great at it. And I was like, you know, at the time I was engaged, I was getting ready to be married. I'm like, I don't know if it's like the time to do this, you know, and things happen for a reason and we didn't get married. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, and then I got like the first thing I did, I did one trip with this charter company and I literally show up at the airport have a first class ticket to London, get picked up by a black Mercedes car and have my first flight on a golf train. And I'm like, what is this world? Like, what is happening to me? And how did this just happen? And I never went back. To, I never went back to the airline. I I was <laughs> like, was I cannot. Story. <laughs> I was like, I cannot go back to commercial aviation. I'm not doing this. I yeah. And to, the fact that I started that way is just insane. And it took me a long time to get jobs and everything, but you know, I, I did crazy flying for this charter company and went all over the world, was pretty much gone for like a year. Yeah. I just like used they used and abused me, but I at the time like was didn't know anything about the rules and regulations. And back then there weren't really any re- rules and regulations for corporate flight attendants. I don't even think you even had to have safety training at that time. Like yeah. you could just they would just pick up you know, people off the street and ask them if they wanted to be on an airplane. It was crazy, but um, definitely changed now. You know, I did. <laughs> Thank goodness. Did all, yeah. So um, did all that fun, crazy flying and and hopped around as a contractor for a while. And then I um, found my account, which I'm with now, which I called my lucky penny account. Yeah, <laughs> not really. I don't say unicorn because unicorns don't exist. <laughs> Lucky pennies exist. And this one kind of found me like I found it, you know, so I, yeah, I'm just very fortunate to um, now I'm have been with this family for nine years now. Wow. They're just, they're fantastic people and you got to meet them and, you know, they just, 
it's so nice when you can work for people who appreciate you and yes. value you. And it's just fun. It's fun to go to work. And I get to be super creative um, with what I do on the airplane. And it's challenging when you're with, working for someone uh, for that long because you do have to really push it. Um, so I'm constantly having to come up with new menu ideas and things like that. So, but it's, yeah, that's basically how I got into the industry is kind of, I mean, I think it's a very similar story for a lot of people, like mm-hmm. kind of just fell into it. Some of us, you know? Yeah. Yep. It's like a topic that I always like to ask about now because, and I think it's just like a nice intro, like to hear where people came from, but I, if there is a theme of hearing people say like I fell into this or I was pushed into it or I like mm-hmm. you know and I, I always tell it a little different either either depending on my mood of the day I'm either like I was pushed into it man or it's like oh I just fell into it and so lucky <laughs> yeah that's true that's so true <laughs> it depends on what kind of day I'm having <laughs> yeah but yeah. no I love the lucky penny account that's so sweet and yes your your family that you work for is incredible I, I mean, it, and it is, there's something to be said. I had Jamie on this week and she's the episode that's out right now. And, you know, we were talking about how amazing it is to work for people and with people, crew as well. And you have an amazing, I am going to say like unicorn crew because it's like they don't, they they shouldn't exist. They're all very incredible, which is rare. Um, oh. Lucky Penny crew, I guess. But it's amazing to have one, let alone both, that re- respect you, that value you, that like trusts you to like, you know, f- fly in and out. Like it's just really incredible and says something about, I think, who you are, that you've created and cultivated this atmosphere and that your crew has and that your clients have. Like that's amazing. Like that's very, very lucky. Yeah, it is. And oh, believe me, it doesn't go. I, I, I just, I, think my lucky stars every day that I get to do what I do and work with the people I get to work with. It's, it's just, it's awesome. And um, yeah, I just, it's really exciting. Yeah. And so you've been a flight attendant for almost 20 years now. Yeah, it's crazy. Next year, next year, literally 20 years. (laughs) Wow. That's insane. And you've been in private for how many now? Like uh, since 2012. 2012. Yeah. So about yeah. 10, a little over. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And what would you say, like, I mean, there's some really obvious, like, distinctions between commercial and private. What would you say are some that you missed from commercial? I know travel bennies is going to be like number one. It has to. Actually, no. Really? <laughs> no, I don't want to ever fly standby ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I think yeah. I read it by um Kara Mulder said it once and she said, you know, someone asked her if she missed missed them. And maybe I should have thought about that before I said that. But like <laughs> it she said, No, I don't miss it because now I can afford to buy my ticket wherever I want to go. And I was like, Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Um yeah, I uh, I just I think one thing that I I preferred, I guess, with commercial aviation was that it was easy right like you just showed up you had your uniform picked out for you you never had to worry about what you were gonna wear Uh, you showed up and you just got on the airplane and you did the same thing mm -hmm. um and for some people that's that's great you know I still have a lot of friends that are still flying commercial and 
um, and they love it. And it's good for them for the reasons that they choose to stay in it. And some, you know, can't handle the schedule or the type of buying that we do. So it, there, it takes yeah. a different type of personality to do both. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I think it's like the difference between working like a nine to five and working a job where you're like, there's a lot more demanded of you and you are willing to not even willing, maybe, but you're pushed into working more than the 40 hours a week because you're dedicated and you're passionate. And I'm not saying that commercial flight attendants aren't dedicated and passionate, but they have the union there for them that doesn't allow them to go over that, which is amazing. And there's pluses and minuses to both sides for sure. Like I, I get what you're saying. Like it was everything was laid out for you. It's like going to a private school and having your uniform versus going to public school and having all the dramas of public yes. school and worry about what you're wearing. And like, yeah. I relate with that one a lot. I'm like, do I blend into the carpet enough with this outfit? You know, do I, I don't want to make anybody, like, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to, you know, I just keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So then going into private, you know, you said you had this amazing trip. Like it really sounded like the red carpet was like rolled out for you, which is amazing. Um, I love that for you. A little jealous of it, but love <laughs> it for you. What were like some of your first trips like? Like what do you remember from those? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that I was fortunate enough on that first trip, there was another flight attendant who was on board and we were doing like a crew swap, but she was staying on board. So kind of like what you and I did. Yeah. You know, there was somebody else on board and she kind of, I, I would love to mention her name, but I don't know if she would want me to, but she, she kind of just laid it all out for me. And she's like, this is what I do with this client. And, you know, and, and she just kind of got me, she gave me an introduction to the airplane, which was fantastic. I know a lot of people don't get that opportunity. Yeah. But it was like, all right, that one trip. And then it was, you know, all right, you're off. And I basically did, oh my gosh, I did this flying for this client who I was in and out of London and Africa. And I mean, places in Africa that you had to really get creative and be really smart yeah. with your catering and everything. So I was kind of thrown into the deep end right away. And in a way, I'm so fortunate for that experience because I really learned a lot really fast. And, you know, you can talk about years of experience. And I always think it's funny when someone says, oh, I only have a year of experience or, you know, whatever it might be. But I mean, you were flying for an entire year, pretty much that first year, probably nonstop with hundreds of hours mm -hmm. and, and had so many different trips. Like that's like five years right there, you know, depending on what type of flying you were doing. So I think it's really important. And that's something that I look at when, you know, I'm hiring a flight attendant is doesn't necessarily have to be a number of years that you've been doing something, but what, what are your strengths and can you adapt? Can you continually grow? And, and, you know, those types of things are more important. So. Yeah, I think yeah. that's huge. And I love that answer because, you know, like the hustle in this job is so important. Like, again, mm -hmm. I was just talking to Jamie about that. And I think that's one of the first words for me that comes to mind, especially when you're starting out. But it's always in this industry. Like, mm -hmm. you have to hustle. You have to make those connections. You have to work hard and show that you want to be there and show that you deserve to be there. Like, there's all of these factors because 
I mean, there is a reason that this job pool and why this industry is so small compared to commercial aviation is because it's for the elite. It's for this like different demographic that is Mm -hmm. you have to also match that as a flight attendant and as a crew. And I really love that you say that, you know, sometimes just when people say just a year, that's not always like a negative thing. It, mm-hmm. You know, I think that I agree, like you can have so much experience in that year. And like you said, I flew so much, both my first year commercial, like I was dropping my roster, but then picking up every trip I could so that like yeah. every day I was working, I was lucky if I had one day home. And then same thing when I got into private, I would have my two weeks on rotation and then every op scheduler, <laughs> my manager all knew that if they needed someone to work extra days to ask Virginia because I wanted yeah. them. Yeah. And so, and that's, you know, that's also, it's great to have that hustle and to have that initiative to like want to get that flying. But at some point, and I know you've talked about this in the past too, with a few of your other guests about burnout, mm-hmm. you have to, you know, maybe after a while that isn't sustainable and you really have to have a work-life balance. You really do. <laughs> God, because <laughs> you can't do that forever. I feel like I really show my age when, which isn't like, I'm not old by any means. I'm not. I feel old because like you said, like one year can feel like five years in this industry, which I think is mm-hmm. like the best thing I've ever heard. It's almost like dog years. Um, so I feel like I'm like 40 years old because I have been in the aviation industry for like seven, eight years now. And it's like, I just want that work-life balance. Like if there's more music to my ears than those two words, I haven't heard them yet because those <laughs> those words are what I like want in my life. Oh my gosh. And you're doing, I think you're doing a good job. Just the other day, we were so lucky we got to have lunch. Oh yeah. You, and you prioritized like, let's go have a nice meal. And then you prioritize giving yourself, a, getting yourself a massage, which there's nothing like. You Always mad at it. You need to, you need self-care is important. We yeah. have a hard, we have a hard physical job. So there's nothing wrong with that. If there's anything, so Karen is actually who told me to do that, like probably like three years ago now. I was at my last account and I was just like down in the rut, like 99% of that account. Like it was just rough. I was working way too much, did not have work life balance, did not have a crew life balance. Like it just was rough. And um, she's the one that told me one day I was sitting in Honolulu and I was so exhausted. I didn't want to be there. I had a terrible trip getting there. And Karin was just like, you know what? You need to go get a massage. I don't care how much it is. You go book it. Like you're making enough money. Take care of yourself. And she was like, whenever I'm feeling like not so great on the road, or even if I am feeling great, I know I've deserved like this self-care time. And so now on the road, that's like what I do is like I go get a massage or I save like my pedicures for on the road, like something that's luxurious. Because it really takes you away and makes you focus on your me time. And I love it because you have your phone tied to you when you're on a trip. You're constantly Mm -hmm. on a call. You're like running errands. You're keeping your eyes open for farmers markets and butchers. And like, so it's very nice. I'm an advocate. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Always. I mean, you have to do it. It's 
I mean, and whatever that means for you, whatever that thing that makes you happy, it doesn't have to be a massage or whatever, but just something that makes you happy that allows you to turn off a little bit. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have something like that on the road? Is it massages? <laughs> massages. I, you know what? I love yoga. I do a lot of yoga. I do a lot That's of right. walking around. Orange theory. I, yeah, orange theory. I do a lot of walking around. I just, anything I can do to be physically active is good for me because, you know, it just, it boosts my mood. It's, it's what mm-hmm. makes, you know, it's what makes me happy. So yeah, being outside is just, yeah, it's great. So the first commercial like flight attendant trainer that I had, it was probably like, it was my first working flight. And, you know, you're shadowing someone at that point and you're training the whole leg of legs of the trip. And um, she told me, she was like, the best thing you can do for yourself in this job is make yourself walk everywhere. She said, as often as you can walk, like you might not want to, but just start walking. And if 10 minutes in, you're not feeling it. Okay, fine. Call, call the Uber. But she was like, most likely 10 minutes in, you're going to start to feel so much better. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I love those, you know, flight attendants who have been in this for a long time that have provided little tidbits of advice like that. I still, to this day, will always remember this flight attendant that I flew with. And she, I mean, she had been, gosh, she was probably like in her late sixties <laughs> and she looked stunning. She looked like she was maybe 50 years old or something, not even. But she told me, she's like, always wear compression tights. Whatever you do, always wear compression tights. And yeah. to this day, I will not fly without having compression tights or socks on. And like, I, now I don't have any Viracose veins. So, you know, hey. So I remember people saying that. I really do. And I remember girls in my class that were like so freaked out about these Viracose veins. And I was like, uh-huh. it's fine. Like, it's fine. I'm starting to get them. Oh my gosh. 28, the right age of 28, folks. <laughs> Wear those compression tights. Stop it in its tracks. No, seriously. <laughs> this is why I'm like, oh, it's just like a tattoo. It's just extra color for skin. It's like a, a badge of honor, but different. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. I forced my clients, I forced my pilots. They all wear them now. It's oh, so really? Funny. Oh, That's yeah. Incredible. How interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you got very lucky in so many ways, which I love. But when did you start cooking on board? Because that you you now do all of the cooking on board. Was that always the case or not really? But I when I started with that charter company in the beginning, they were they allowed us to go and they kind of encouraged us to go and go shopping to get our catering. And so it started pretty early for me. And then, like I said, I was doing all that Africa flying. And so I kind of like naturally just started cooking on the airplane because, you know, we were going to some places where it really wasn't safe to eat um, or we couldn't Mm -hmm. get food. So I had to carry it all in a cooler anyway. And so early on, I kind of like just like doing that. And I love cooking and I love food. And so I just kind of just started doing it. what it was hard when I, you know, certain charter trips or what people would request stuff, obviously I couldn't always cook on board. And when you're doing charter, it's difficult because you don't know what's going to be on the airplane or, you know, contracting, you kind of have to have your bag of tricks that you carry with you if you're going to do some of that stuff on board mm-hmm. or know ahead of time what the plane has that you can do some of these things. 
But I think it really took off when I got this current job. They just, they're such foodies and I started playing more and more. And like one of the things that I love doing when I'm on the road, and this goes back to, you know, just kind of taking initiative and, and using my downtime to, to grow and learn. And so like when I'm in, when I was in Italy, I would go and take, you know, co- co- courses in Italy, uh, Thailand, Japan, you know, like everywhere I am, I take that opportunity to use that time to learn a different cuisine or learn something new. And so like, I never had a formal, like I never went to a formal culinary school, but I would always do these courses. And um fortunate to be in Chicago where there's a great culinary school here. And so I would take classes on the weekend and stuff, but I, you know, I just loved it. And I'm always trying to grow. Like been in this industry for a long time and I have an opportunity coming up to go to a school in the south of France for a long and I'm so excited about it because you can always learn no matter how long you've been in doing something you can always learn more so but um, yeah I'm so so excited for you for that school I know you've been looking forward to it and I I so wanted to go Holly was nice enough and she was like oh my god you should come with me and I was like, oh, my God, I totally should. And I just couldn't make it work. But I'm so excited for you to do it. Where in southern France are you going again? It's like outside of Marseille. So it's like, it's pretty, it's south of there, close to like the French-Spanish border, the Spain border. So, and it's quite French culinary and pastry. So I don't know how much pastry I'll be doing on the airplane, but it'll be fun to learn. But yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm, you know... I'm able to do it because our airplane is going to be in maintenance for a while. And so I'm taking that opportunity instead of just, you know, having a three month vacation to, you know, learn more. So because it's amazing. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's difficult to kind of keep on top of all the trends. And when you're working for somebody, as long as I have been, I'm always trying to come up with new menu plannings. I think it's also sometimes harder when you work for one client. You have to come up with new menu items all the time to, to you know, wow them. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have your tried and true things that you know they love, like bolognese. <laughs> I actually just made that for my my client that I've been working for. Um, and I was like, I just, I was at the end of my rotation. I think I texted you about it because I was like at the end of my, ro- it might've been after I saw you in Chicago, actually. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so, and I told you, I was so tired at this point. I think I was on day like 15 or 16 and I was just like, I've made 20 menus at this point and mm-hmm. I am just like tapped the F out. And yeah. that's what I came up with. Like, I got these gorgeous noodles from Italy. Like, I got really good ingredients. I got Wagyu beef to put in it. Like, yeah, it's just so good. But it's there like are... A hug. Oh, it is. Honestly, my pilots loved it. They were like... Mm-hmm. Like, the pilots that I'm flying with right now, they it, they haven't had a flight attendant on board for years, let alone one... They've never seen one that cooks on board. And so when I started cooking, they were like, you know, as soon as the smells hit the cockpit, they're like, what is going on? (laughs) Which is like the best compliment you can get. But it's literally like you warm up butter and they're like, ooh. (laughs) But I love what you said about tried and true things because it is a challenge coming up with new menus and stuff. And I would say like, especially when you're a flight attendant that's cooking on board. And I don't mean to like say that over and over, but I do feel like I say that a lot, but when you are cooking on board, you also still are a flight attendant as well. So you're Mm -hmm. still thinking of, 
you know, stock items in the lab and in the cabin and you're thinking about making beds and doing laundry and, you know, when your uniform needs to be said to like, you're thinking about all these things. But then on top of that, you've now got to like use that creative muscle to come up with new menus. Like, you know, for example, if you're flying on Monday, you have to be working either Saturday or Sunday on a menu and then you've got to go grocery shopping then you fly on monday well then you fly again on wednesday now your down day is spent creating a menu and shopping again like it's a lot of work like it's a lot of extra work you sign up for when you're cooking on board well and that's you know and i think it's important that you know flight attendants that are doing it are very you know cautious of safety because sometimes people can focus too much on that food aspect. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're still there for safety. And there are some things that I just won't do on the airplane just for safety reasons. And like, as much as I would love to do certain culinary things on board, I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to leave it here. I'm not, I, you know, and some people do, and I think it's awesome that they do it, but like, I just, I can't fry something on board. I would love to do creme brulee with a butane torch, but I just, it's not going to happen, you know? So there are some risks that like are not worth taking and your clients exactly. are probably going to thank you for that. Like I've Absolutely. never had a client that was, I actually just had a dream about this last night, how weird, but I've never had a client like be like, I want, you know, <laughs> I want to see the flame on board. Like I want to watch you make like They don't care. Like, I don't know. There are just some things that are, you're fine not to do on board. But it does, I will say, feel very good when you do something on board that they haven't seen before and they haven't had before. And that does feel very good. (laughs) Oh, yes, it does. Like, oh my gosh, what did I see you post the other day? Your uh, scallop in the shell. I was like, that was so beautiful. That was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a whole new world for me. I was a little nervous to do that. And then I did mussels too, because this client that I have loves fresh fish and Mm -hmm. they had these beautiful mussels too, which if you're ever in Farnborough, I think I told you about this. I have a new fishmonger that is like out of this world. Um, You might, you might already know them, but uh, anyway, those two were completely new for me. Like I had someone text me, like literally see the Instagram post and they directly texted me afterwards and they were like, girl, like, how do you come up with this? Like, this looks amazing. But what I was like, honestly, I am not kidding you. 75% of me did not think I could pull it off and thought it was going to go terribly awry. Like I often do not think that I'm going to succeed in my menu, (laughs) like especially something like that. Oh my gosh, but you are so, you're fun. You make me laugh because you should be so confident. You are, your food and your menus are outstanding and I've seen them and I've seen you work and you're, it's, yeah, it's phenomenal. So you <laughs> You've should seen be more confident. No, <laughs> well, whatever. It happens once and it won't happen again. You learn from it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you do. And again, that's the creative menus and eggs. You recently did the bear omelet on board, which you and I have talked several times about our love for the bear, the show on Hulu. But then you went a step further and you made Sydney's omelet that she made that has potato chips on top. And it was very delicious. Um, I think I might would have added like some kind of veggie inside of it, like a mushroom, I think could have elevated it a little bit. Yeah. But it was pretty good. And the hardest part of that whole omelet was sitting there trying to sieve the egg, 
scrambled eggs through the sieve. I was like, this is taking forever. Maybe I shouldn't have done this with four people on board, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, my, my third and fourth omelets were much better than my first and second. So, but yeah, hey, it was so beautiful and they loved it. And being from Chicago, like my clients, like just had a kick out of it. That's right. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So it was super fun. So I like to do things like that or just, you know, I'm always trying to explore with different cuisines and try different things. But yeah, that one was just kind of like a fun little, you know. Did they know what it was from or did you tell them? So I did tell them and I said, hey, have you seen the bear? And of course, you know, I think everybody from Chicago has seen it at this point, you know, because I love when a movie has like the city as a main character and they definitely display Chicago so much in that show. And it's just really fun to watch. And actually, just recently, I went to Ever, which is, if you know the chef Curtis Duffy. Yeah. So I went to his restaurant recently, which it was unbelievable. But that's the restaurant that they feature in the show when, was it the cousin, when he goes to Shadow? Yeah. You have not listened to Jamie's episode yet, and I'm not going to scorn you for it. However, we talk about this specific scene because, that episode, I guess, because she asked me my view on hospitality, and I gave this as an example of- like the most amazing thing about hospitality. Well, there's several amazing things about hospitality, but I just love that episode so much. Like this is now not a podcast about being a flight attendant. It's about the bear. It is a fan <laughs> review for the bear. Like, and I don't even care. Also, you guys haven't watched it. Y'all need to get on that. But that episode just gets me to my like core. And yeah. I have so many people just to go directly to that episode because it's so inspiring. And I think as flight attendants, we are so based on hospitality and it brings our soul alive. Like literally I feel like my soul glittering when I'm working in hospitality and when I'm nailing something in hospitality and you see that switch for the cousin, like when he goes and gets the pizza and then he serves. Oh, (laughs) is that the name of the pizza place? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, it, I just love it because it, it just is so relatable. I feel to us and also, like, if you don't have that, find something that you feel like that about. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I have to be completely transparent with this. Uh-oh. I did not want to listen to Jamie's episode before I did this because I did not want. She's so amazing and so well-spoken. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be so t- I can't listen to it. I'll have to listen to it after I do this. <laughs> So Jamie's a good friend of both Holly and I, and she's actually the one that, I, I don't know why I didn't say that in the beginning. She's the one that connected yeah. us. I don't know why I'm like, oh, a friend of ours. Um, <laughs> anyway, I agree. I was intimidated talking to her and I talked to her like every day, but like it was still intimidating to talk to her in this capacity. And also, gosh, her vocabulary even, like I wish I had had a dictionary in front of me because like some of the stuff she said, like I was just like, yeah, so that's great. Jamie, Jamieisms and her ability to quote like Jamie-isms. everyone. I'm like, wait, I have a Jamieism for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you do? So actually we were just, um, I was fortunate enough to go to uh, a summit uh, recently that we both attended and it was phenomenal. and. 
it was the first time they put this on and there one of the speakers he said something to me and I in or he said something to everybody but I felt like it spoke to me so much and it just like something about it but he said like we are responsible for 90 percent of the airplane and it just like sunk in and I, I, I was just like gosh like you know, we really are responsible for so much of what goes on that airplane. Yes, the pilots are flying it, but every other little thing, like we are the eyes, we are the ears, the no everything, you know, and and we cover so much of that aircraft. And that just stuck with me so much. And like and there were so many other big great things that came out of that that great summit. But yeah, it was uh it was just fantastic. And I'm like, gosh, I can't I always remember all these quotes that she remembers. I wish I could remember them all. I just I she quoted this guy. Uh uh-uh. uh. She quoted this guy that had five names and she said all five names. Like that was the impressive part to me. I was like, I don't even care that you remember this amazing quote. It's that you remember all five names this guy presents. It's like, how <laughs> I don't understand. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> I I love this whole thing and we could talk about JV all day. Um, but there was something that you, I love that quote, by the way, and it is so true. And I think that if there's anyone new listening to this, that's new to the industry, like take that to heart because it's so true. Like take ownership in the way that like, you know, the plane it is, mm-hmm. it is your, it is your possession. <laughs> like at that time that you're working on it, like the other day we were in, we were in Paris. I don't know if I texted you about this. I texted someone about it. I said the video, Karen. All of a sudden, there was fuel leak- leaking out of our our wing. We were on the ground running the APU, and I'm not kidding. It wasn't just like drip, drip. It was like, <laughs> like I had just finished all my prep. The passengers were almost there. I sat down for the first time in like four hours before that we got, you know, we we're gonna take off. And I run up to my pilot and I was like, "You need to go look at the wing. Something's going on here." And he was like, no, I'm sure it's fine. Like, it's probably just water or something. And I was like, this isn't water. It's like gushing out. And I'm pretty sure it's fuel. He didn't want to go look. And I was like, you need to. It took like two or three times of me being like, we just go look at it. Like, yeah, sure enough, he started pan- not panicking, but he was like, oh, crap, this is something. So they had to look into it. Turned out everything was fine. It's not normal. But we just had we were like uneven on the ramp. And so we yeah. had so much fuel that it was leaking out. And I've never seen that before. But also in a lot of FBOs, you would get in massive trouble for that much fuel being on the ground. Oh, yeah. I was amazed that they weren't pissed at us. Instead, the FBO people were all laughing at us. But that was a really long way of saying, like, trust your instincts and own 90% of the plane, as he said. Absolutely. I mean, you're always, you know, back there, you're always, you're the first person to to see something or hear something like and don't ever be afraid to go and tell the pilots you know you need to tell them but like also and this is just for like contractors or anybody who's getting on a new aircraft all the time and i tell anytime you know i have a new flight attendant on board or something that i used to do all the time is i go through every single nook and cranny on every single aircraft that i get on yeah i i don't want to be I, I want to know where everything is on that airplane. And so any opportunity I can to go through everything, I'm going through it because I want to know if something is not right, you know, and um, and to look through all that equipment, you know, a lot of people yeah. get get comfortable and they don't look at their emergency equipment. I think it's so important to always be looking at those things and always, you know, it's part of your pre-check, you know, you should, 
but I know some people don't always do that. And so just a reminder to always be back there checking everything out. So especially when you're a contractor and you're working with new pilots, I always make a point to go tell them like, hey, pre-flight safety check is done. And then I'll tie it with like asking for their coffee order or whatever. Most of them assume we're doing it or don't care. One of the two. (laughs) I always like to do it as just this like, hey, this is what kind of flight attendant I am and put it forward. And a lot of them really appreciate it. And I've had a few even tell me like when I'm contracting, like, oh, not many people do that. And I'm like, all right, well, let's see you apart. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you would be surprised. I mean, they're even, you know, I, I recently did a contract trip on an airplane that doesn't normally have flight attendants on board and they very, very rarely use them. And, you know, the pilots didn't know where anything was in the back you know, and and they're flying this airplane. And so it is so important. You are such an important part of that aircraft. And I wish everybody would have flight attendants. I know. (laughs) You know, even if you're a 91 account, get a flight attendant. (laughs) It cracks me up. It's, It's like a cute little thing when pilots are like, oh, if you don't know where this is. And I'm like, Oh, trust me, I do. Like when, yeah. the, when you're new to an account and like you said, you open all the drawers, you open all the cabinets and they're like, oh, let me show you where this is. And you're like, uh, definitely already opened that three times. Like, yeah, I know where it is. I poked way around. Oh, yeah. But that's what makes you good at your job, being familiar. And you need to be familiar because you need to be if you're not prepared in an emergency and you don't know where that stuff is, then you're not going to be useful. So. Yeah, I mean, I've been in a few like almost emergencies and a few like get prepared for emergency situations. And and I came from the airlines. So still like when we take off and we land, I'm still doing my reviews. Like I'm always reminding myself, this is where my nearest exit is. This is where my fire extinguishers are. This is where my smoke hood is. Like this is where my flashlight is. (laughs) How many passengers do I have on board? Like I'm always like trying to think of it there, you know, like even when you're super tired, that's especially when you need to do it is put the phone down. Don't like have your headset on, be listening to what's happening. The other day, I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted. I had a coffee. It had a lot of shots in it. (laughs) I love it. Keep going. But the other day we were landing in Chicago, actually, when I came to, I think I told you about this. We were, or maybe, no, it was leaving from Chicago to go back to San Francisco. So it was right after I saw you. We were getting ready to land. It was like 9, 10 p.m. So it's super dark. We were landing in a smaller airport right outside of San Francisco. And I have my headset on and I'm in the jump seat. It was super bumpy getting in. Didn't love that. And I have my headset on. So I'm hearing what the pilots are saying and you can hear the little thing and it had been saying traffic, traffic. And it's just like that. If you, if you felt like a flashback, it's because I've gotten really good at it. You're welcome. <laughs> and it's literally just that traffic, traffic. But then this new girl came on, this new robotic voice I've never heard before. You could tell her volume was up higher and it was like, pull up, pull up, pull up. Have you heard this? oh my God, I started sweating. The pilots started going, or the plane, I think, started doing it automatically. Went from like 4,000 feet, climbed up to 8,000, I think. There was something going on and I was just like, (laughs) something sounds like something was on the runway. No, 
that there was a plane, a little prop plane below us. So we must have been lower. We must have been at like 2000 because we were on final approach. Like we were, yeah, we were, you were right there. Uh, There was a plane underneath us that wasn't communicating with the tower and wasn't communicating with any other planes. So they were like literally right below us and we couldn't see them. And so luckily, you know, there for anyone that's scared of flying out there, luckily there are so many systems in place. And for the first time in my career, I heard this new girl on on the headset. (laughs) I don't know what I'd like to call her, but like Mildred or something like that, because it was like, I don't know. But Mildred came on and it was terrifying. And the pilots finally, like, they didn't talk to me that whole time because, you know, lots of important stuff. Yeah. We go around, we land, and the pilots come to me and they're like, yeah, so like, what did you take away from that? (laughs) And I was like, I think we were almost in a not okay situation and they were like it was more than almost we were pretty damn close to like something pretty bad happening and i was like and that's and that's why i'm a flight attendant yeah i'm so <laughs> glad i didn't know like i definitely knew something you have a feeling and you, you're hearing yeah. that after you hear mildred and you know i'm not nope i'm good i hate those <laughs> moments i hate that part of our job where it's like oh yeah something almost happened oh my gosh yeah i any medical emergency sir um, I have had one medical, but it wasn't the, 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 it was when I was with the commercial airline and the passenger was fine. They were having, uh, it wasn't a heart attack, but it was like angina. So there was, they had their, uh, nitro on their person and they ended up taking it, but it, everything ended up being fine. But I, I've never, oh gosh, knock on wood. <laughs> I've been fortunate to not have anything major while in flight. So yeah. Have you? Oh, I know you had your turbulence. Yeah, I've had like that was my own injury. That's not really back. Hey, now. that's still that's still like what? That's the number one injury to flight attendants is turbulence. And I think it's what, like gastrointestinal issues or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, like that can be career ending. That's what yeah. That's what I have always heard about turbulence and never really took seriously, but I not only get it in the sense that you can get so hurt that you cannot come back to work, but I also get it. And I talked to you about this when we were having lunch in Chicago. The PTSD from it is actually oh, pretty gosh. severe. I'm, <laughs> I took a break from going to my therapist and I'm going back for so many reasons. Why I took a break? Don't know. <laughs> Should always go to therapy, folks. Yes. But I'm going back specifically because I've learned recently that I can work through it, but it's very hard for me to work through turbulence and I get nauseous now just because I get so anxious. I Mm -hmm. shake a little bit like, and I'm able to work through it and I'm able to calm myself down. But as a flight attendant, obviously we have to be in charge and, you know, ready for anything. And, you know, I've been able to manage it a little bit myself, but I need to manage it better. And so I definitely get that side of it too, where that could be career ending of like, you're too scared to go back to work. I could, yeah. I could definitely see that. But yeah, I've had, I've, I feel like I, I have a, a pretty good roster of things that have happened in flight for me. Like I've had a wheel pop on landing. Like I've had a weight uh, engine failure. And I always tell people like that one was lucky because we were on a Falcons. We had a spare. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that reminds me. We did have, I, well, because I work on a, a global. And I think we have had like maybe four or five window cracks before, but 
And and when you see it happen, it's scary because they're like, oh my gosh, is the whole thing going to blow out? But yeah, seriously. Um, but I guess that's a common thing on globals. I did I didn't know until I started flying. I won all the time. <laughs> I'm okay working on a Gulf Stream hearing that. I think I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a decompression before and it was bad. We were over the ocean too. And then we had to go down to 10,000 feet, like oxygen masks drop. And then we had to stay at 10,000 until we could make an emergency landing. So that one was fun. Uh, was that on a was that on a corporate jet or was that on a corporate jet? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Wow, it was a trusty old G four. Oh, love those. <laughs> she was rusty. <laughs> oh my gosh! Are we pl- are we plane shaving right now? <laughs> no, I have a soft spot for G fours, but I will I will never forget there was one G four that I used to fly on way back, and it had like the most gaudy interior I have ever seen and I cannot get that vision of that airplane out of my head and there were so many mechanical issues on that airplane thankfully I wasn't on board when they happened but oh man that thing was that thing was a beast (laughs) I mean they still chug away they're still going Uh yeah I wouldn't necessarily want to take a G4 anymore to like Europe that's not my preference like LA to Washington, sure. <laughs> Over water, maybe not. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Um, so you've had so many years of experience. And as we're wrapping up, Holly, like how how do you think you would like, maybe not even how, but what would you tell people coming into the industry? Like you have I told you this before we got on. You have such a good perspective and head on your shoulders of like how to present yourself in this industry, how to be professional. Like and you carry yourself so well. You have an amazing job and have held it for nine plus years. And you've been in the industry for 20 years. What what advice do you want to give people? Oh, my gosh. There's a lot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think the, the one thing that kind of sticks out is uh, just like good communication, you know, having really good communication with your your clients with your your pilots you know pay attention you know there's i've seen so many times where i get the same question asked over several several times and i said i you know i just pay attention and the answer is usually there and don't be afraid to ask for help if you don't know the answer because you're better off asking for that help if you don't know it and as opposed to just being you know sorry that you know something happened or whatever whatever it might be but I think, gosh, yeah. I mean, I, I get, yeah, I guess you just have to network too. I mean, there are so many different things out there now, you know, the NBAA, which is coming up soon. There are each city or region usually has like a business aviation association. So there's like, you know, there's in Texas, Chicago, I'm sure there's one in New York, whatever it might be, California. Yeah. Women in corporate aviation scholarships available, like all these things that is out yeah. there, you know, for resources for us that I think go unused a lot of times. And so, yeah, I mean, just take advantage of that networking and and listening is important. So mm, that's what that's I got. <laughs> no, it, that's so good. I like I said, I just love your perspective. I think you just like are so refreshing to talk to. You always have something very poised and wise to say no matter the situation and you're an amazing chef on board you're an amazing flight attendant i can't wait to see like what comes next for you because jamie and i always say it about you actually jamie started saying it 
and then I'm stealing it. <laughs> like we can picture you being on like Good Morning America teaching us oh, how to make like the bear omelet. Like we think that that's where you're going to end up and I'm projecting it into the world and like forecasting that that's what's going to happen. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. <laughs> I got to get over my fear of public speaking before I can do anything of that. <laughs> I feel like you would be such a good public speaker. Just, you know, I, look at you. You're doing it. Yeah, but see, it's just me and you right now. People listen later, but yeah, no. <laughs> well, thank you for that. You're so sweet. This has been such a fun talk. I know we get to talk all the time, but like this is just so fun. And, and thank you for the invite to be on here. So yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back. You have the app now, so you have to come back, even though we had a tech malfunction, but it's fine. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited for people to hear. And yes, we will definitely have to have you back. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.